Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Matter, the SLAS podcast where we interview life science luminaries. Today, we are discussing our new SLAS short course on the lab of the future. This course is currently available on demand. We have a bank of instructors who can travel to your institution to teach you the course in person. Here to discuss this course with us today are the course's content creators, Mario Richter and Josh Kangas. Welcome, Mario and Josh. Hello. Hi, Anna. Great to have you guys on. So uh, to get started, would you guys be willing to briefly describe this Lab of the Future course? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So the course was designed to give people an introduction to uh, what we view to be the Lab of the Future. And that lab of the future has two components. It has a, a heavy automation component and it has a heavy analytics component involving uh, machine learning methods. So the, the course is broken up into first part, which is talking about the organization and the planning for the automation. And then the second part is looking at the capabilities of machine learning uh, methods and how those would integrate in with the auto automated system. And then the final section is discussing basically case studies where we can talk about different solutions you might have for, for various types of problems you might run into. Yeah. yeah. Just to add to that, I would say that the idea is really to, to help people who are interested in, in those topics and to understand a little bit more and if they plan their, their new labs or their, lab, their personal lab of the future, help them and, and, and give them some tools um, at hand that they can use to kind of use an, an approach and that hopefully will help them to be successful at the end and also help them just with, with thinking about how to approach that. Great. So I'm wondering if you guys would mind maybe just briefly defining what is the lab of the future? Because I feel like it's a term we all hear, but we never really get it defined for us. Sure. So, so my view is just a an automated system where you have very tight integration between the analysis of the data you're generating and the, the systems that are generating that data. Yeah, I would fully agree there. That kind of help it can set up automation in a way that it helps you, of course, to, to, to make your processes more streamlined, easier and better controlled, maybe even faster, depending on what you what it is that you want to want to achieve there with your within your lab. And, and also, of course, then taking the routine job away from your from your scientists and maybe give them the chance to think about something more innovative sometimes. Right? I mean, sometimes people are too busy with the manual processes that they cannot really be, be too innovative. And ideas also, if you set up such a level of the future that helps you, like Josh was saying, with the data analysis and then making some decisions and, and suggestions for the next runs, for example, then maybe there's more time to, for, you, for you or in your team to think about other things and come up with new ideas, maybe new new things to automate, new and new approaches. So I think it's a kind of a combination of just getting a better lab, so to say, but also offering some time uh, for your teams to think about others. Yeah, wonderful. So you kind of, you know, briefly went over this, Josh, uh, in your introduction, but you can go into a little bit more detail of what are the topics that are covered in this Lab of the Future course? Josh was saying the first part is more about the, the automation, setting up your automation and the strategy. So we'll touch a lot on kind of how to prepare yourself do, do some some assessment at the very beginning on what do you really need? Who do you want to partner with? What do you have to consider? Is there something that, that you maybe don't don't realize actually that, that it, it would be an added value or something that you got to be aware of to say, well, this might be very difficult to automate. Maybe something I don't I don't want to touch. There's other stuff I can touch. So it's really about the, the whole approach. And then also once you start 
automating things, you will also have to consider that, okay, now I have to look at some of the data, I have to look at some of the, maybe the errors that I'm seeing, and then plan for another phase to optimize the whole thing. So the idea is also to give people, again, give some tools that allow them to, to assess what they've done, and then say, well, listen, maybe that is something I, we could have we could do differently, or we have to we've changed a little bit, instead of saying, well, this doesn't work, I just here, which is something something that you oftentimes see, I would say, with automation, is that if, if people run into errors and problems, they will just stop there. So that's the part. We'll have a little bit of a kind of an, an outlook into the future. There's a, a little bit about the what is coming our way. What is the next wave of innovation that that is already there? Maybe, but maybe not 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 common common knowledge. Not, not not in every lab nowadays. Yeah, and and again, also here, kind of food for thought. Just letting people think about this. Well, nah, maybe this is something that could be of interest in the next few years. Maybe I, I, I keep a good look at that and uh, and think how to you to make best use of it. And then for the, the second section of the course, which is focused on machine learning, there are really two major machine learning strategies. There's a retrospective machine learning. And the idea there is that you generate a mountain of data and then you do an analysis on your mountain of data and come to conclusions and make decisions, right? So that's, that's one strategy. The second strategy is a, a more prospective strategy. And you might consider that AI or active machine learning. And the idea there is that you're allowing the machine learning process to decide what experiments are run and what data you're generating. And these two strategies have different advantages and disadvantages, and we discuss those. And the sort of strategy you use will have some effects on the way in which you design your automated system. So we talk about the interplay between those. And then finally, in the, the last section of the course, where we're looking at case studies or the point is to allow students to discuss these strategies and think about why you make why you might make one choice or another in building your automated system or setting up your your machine learning strategy. All right. So who would be interested in taking this lab of the future course? Not to be too snarky, but you know, everybody. Kind of true. I was also thinking about this question a little bit while we were preparing the course. And, and, um, and I think it's, it's, it's well, it can be, a, it can be students really kind of still thinking about where they, where they want to go in the future, what they want to do and give, give them some ideas. It can be, of course, uh, more like my, my background, uh, an industry type of lab or industry type of people, academic, Actually, yeah, like like Josh was saying, it can, can be pretty uh, um, pretty broad because the idea is really to, well, first of all, give people some ideas about what what it means to, to set up such a lab, and then also if you're really serious about it, to give you the, the some of the tools at least. And of course, it's not a well, not a guarantee for a success, but at least it might help you to to streamline your process by thinking a little bit. So. If, well, Josh, not, maybe not for everybody, but for, for people that are interested in a topic, I would say, yeah, it can be pretty, pretty broad, actually. Yeah. It doesn't have to be focused. We don't want to be too focused. Yeah. Yeah. More, more seriously, um, my suggestion would be companies or research organizations where you're thinking about how you might plan for a, a lab of the future or the next lab that you're building with an eye towards automation and machine learning. I think it would be very useful in that context to kind of think about the scope of, of what's possible and what's available and what kind of strategies you can apply. 
or maybe maybe also to add, to add one more thing. I mentioned before that sometimes, well, we, we just fail with automation because something wasn't planned well, or we see some failures and we just stop. It would also be it could also be helpful for people to have that experience and say, well, why didn't it work last time? What is it that I should should have been doing differently or could do differently for the next project? Again, being some kind of a guide for for the for people. It's really I think it's super frustrating if you just stop at some point and say, well, automation doesn't work. It's something we've seen a lot in the in the, in the past. I would say also like for speaking from my own experience, you see that a lot, and then you say, well, maybe you should have tried it a little differently, or there's something you you did, you overlooked in the very beginning, something that you didn't think about. So yeah, also here I would say so going from failure to success, maybe. Right. So I would love it if you guys could kind of maybe speak about your own backgrounds a little bit so that people understand, you know, what's your background in the lab of future technologies? Where did you get your expertise from and how did you kind of apply that to the development of this course? So I, I earned my PhD, Carnegie Mellon, in computational biology and, and all of my studies were focused on generating AI-driven closed-loop experimental processes. Took the work that I did and co-founded a, a company and that company was selling software services to help to direct drug discovery campaigns using ai and then sold that company and and now i'm teaching teaching faculty at carnegie Mellon university in the computational biology department and i'm one of the, the co-directors of the uh, masters in automated science programs Basically, in that program, we're teaching students to use lab automation to generate data, we're teaching them to use machine learning and other computational biology methods to generate different types of data or to analyze different types of data. And then finally, we're teaching them to use AI to drive lab automation for generating data. And so those experiences really make me well suited for this kind of things. Yeah, maybe maybe for my... my- uh, my end, I'm a so by training, I'm a biochemist. So I biochemistry did my PhD, and at the institute where I did my PhD, they were already kind of leaning heavily on automation in general. So for an academic institute, especially, they were really doing a lot of higher throughput things. So that that's where I did first kind of. Well, I, I think I, I got interested in the topic, and then when I joined Advi, the company that I work for now, um, in a, as a director in the biomedical department, the MPKBA department. Um, when I joined the company uh, at the time, to, it was in 2010, the whole process in the biomedical department or part of the department was it part of, everything was manual, like the pipetting, everything, all of, even the, I mean, also the the, the, the documentation, everything was was uh, on paper, nothing electronic. And then really early on, kind of, we, we tried to think about, okay, how can you apply automation to such an environment? And, and biomedical, um, to give a little bit of background, it's, it's really a regulated environment. It's not, not that straightforward. A lot of people will tell you automation is not possible because there's so many things, you have so many SOPs and stuff you have to follow. It's really hard to automate there. And it's actually, in the end, it's quite the opposite. So the, the automation, of course, helps you to, to make sure that you follow these procedures. That's where my, yeah, that's where the, my background is coming from, like this, this almost 10 years journey now of automation in, in that environment. And also from there, of course, spreading to other departments, other areas, people that got interested and said, well, wow, that, that worked. That worked pretty well. Maybe we should also think about that. Again, and within within the company, there's quite a, and I think that's, that's true for most of the companies, of course, there's a lot of focus on automation in general. Just uh, what I said before, I think gaining efficiency and also thinking about, okay, how can you make better use of your people, sort of letting them pipe it in the lab. But that, that's where my uh, where my background is, where, or where my interest in automation lies also. Fantastic. 
Well, is there anything else that you want to talk about, speak to about the course that we didn't cover so far in the podcast? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you want, again, one more thing to, to add to the course itself. I think it's, it's really about the, you know, letting people know, know a little bit more about this, this area and, and giving them a, a more strategic, I don't know, approach to it, right? And giving a little bit of, giving some experience or showing, showing some of the things that we went through and making sure that people, again, don't stop too early. Again, that, that's what I've seen a lot is that people just, you have sitting, you have so much automation sitting in a, in a corner somewhere and then people just say, well, it didn't work. We gave up on it. We're back to manual work. That's sad to see. And, and I think there's so much good stuff you can do. So hopefully the course will help a little there. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Josh and Mario. For anyone who is interested in learning more or requesting to have the Lab of the Future course taught at your institution, you can follow the link in the show notes or go to slas.org and under the education banner, select short courses. Short courses.